Hello, my name is Brandi Hofer, your host and founder of Color Me Happy, a community podcast and book, all of which I started in my in-home studio whilst in the throes of motherhood. I am an artist, author, educator, and mother to three beautiful boys. We live and create together in our in-home studio that is tucked away in the quiet Canadian prairies. Our podcast and community was built to empower and inspire. We chat about everything from motherhood, the art world, business, and health in the most honest and authentic way. It's totally unedited and unfiltered. If you love what we do here, become a part of our free community, Color Me Happy. We have grown the community to support our members with features and interviews. Our link is in the notes. Thank you for being here. I sure do appreciate your time. Hello, welcome to Color Me Happy. My name is Brady Hofer. Thank you so much for joining. I sure do appreciate your time. Um, this week we have Braden on and he shares his story um, with Inuit culture and uh, he's also a video creator. Um, I, I'd say that's where he like grew uh, his big followship. Followship? Is that a word? I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> and he also um, uh, highlights through TELUS Optics, I believe, um, and a microground um, Indigenous culture um, from all across Canada. And so we chat with him about his own personal journey um, and some neat things about his life, uh, like starring in a movie um, and also some harder uh, times in his life through addiction and um, yeah, it's a, it's a very good it's a very good episode, and I'm so grateful that Braden took the time to sit down with me. And you can learn all about him in this episode. Uh, we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago our um, Choose Love and Join Hands and Truth and Reconciliation mural ceremony, and um, it was it was so amazing. And I just I just I had no air. In my body to speak it was just um, I guess I was leaving space for the beauty of it all and I just kept crying so uh, it was very powerful um, seeing how uh, our creative gifts can be something so much more than we ever anticipate they can be and they can impact others in really really big ways and um, that's what I love about uh, my creative passion and um, stepping outside yourself and what creativity can mean to the world. Um, but of course, it always starts with taking care of yourself first um, in order for you to thrive in that space. And so when you're struggling um, from mental health, addiction, or anything like that, um, seeking care and making time for you is of course number one and we touch on that in this episode um, and we talk about that a lot in our book um, and and the basics and the foundation and the building blocks um, you'll become stronger from those experiences and they'll lead you further into your passion and your why and um, your whole being and the power that you have because you are important you are uh, you're worth it in every way uh, you have gifts and um, I'd love for you to share them with the world uh, and that's what we that's what we do this podcast for is um, to encourage creatives to share in their passions and their gifts 
um, and and thrive in the world uh, by supporting you. And that is what our Color Me Happy community is there for. So check that out. It's free. And I can't wait to chat with you all soon. Um, you can reach out anytime at Brandy Hofer Studios on Instagram. I'm happy. I'm, I, I mostly answer messages there. And if I don't, I just missed it. So send me another one because there were too many and I like opened it and forgot. <laughs> um, 100% that's what happened. It's never because I don't want to chat with you. Uh, so thank you again for your time and we'll chat soon, my friend. Uh, I think it's hard to, like, it's so gig-based nowadays, the entertainment industry. And so, especially with film, you do it independently. Um, finding, like, especially, like, well-paying gigs can be tough. Yeah. So we just had, like, a micro-grant. And so it was, it worked out in our favor. We're, we're still fairly young. <laughs> So I'm a, I'm a student still, and uh, this was, it was either Story Hive or go back to the government, and I, I didn't want to sit in an office again. <laughs> no, I, it's so, yeah, it's, that kills, like, the spirit really hard. Yeah. And, An uh, office we, job. We just moved <laughs> to uh, Calgary oh, a year ago today. A year ago today <laughs> and so uh we didn't really get to explore and so this job kind of forced us to explore and so we got a never been to lloyd minister i don't think i even had met anyone from lloyd minister beforehand so it was super cool yeah it's a nice like it's it's a special community people just think like they judge it from the outside and passing through and the people are what make it like really special. But I want to talk about you. I want to talk about. So first of all, um, like where where were you born and raised? Oh man, okay. <laughs> yeah, right from so, the beginning. Uh, my mom's a residential school survivor. She's from Nunavut. Uh, her community, her home community, no longer exists. Mimaktok, and uh, so I was born. And Yellowknife, it was the closest, uh, I guess. Hospital? Yeah. <laughs> and I lived there for two and a half years. And then she met my dad early on. And then all three of us moved down to Liverpool, Nova Scotia, and to Bridgewater, Nova Scotia. That was six years. And then we went back to Kogoktuk for two years. And then we were in Yellowknife again for 10 years. Then I started going, so I worked in a diamond mine for a bit. Well, I guess I was in a movie first, then I was in a diamond mine. And then- You were now, in a movie? Yeah, I had a little role in the film, The Grizzlies. It's a Canadian, I guess it's on Netflix now. It was just a small role. I think you hear me speak once. <laughs> But still, so did that like was that like the spark moment for you? Like I this is so cool and you see everything working. You're like, I think I wanna do that. A little bit. Mostly my so my mom never had a glass ceiling and she didn't impose that on us either when we were growing up, me and my brothers. It was kinda it was cool watching her growing up because she would want to do something and then she would just do it. There was no like, there was no room for doubt. It was just, I'm just gonna do it. No second thoughts. And so 
I guess that's probably one of the biggest gifts she's passed on, I'd say. But the movie was cool, though, because I took a semester off high school to be in it. And um, I had to choose that or volleyball. <laughs> so I had, like, that's volleyball a tough camps. one. <laughs> and uh, sorry, my cat. <laughs> that's okay. And uh, yeah, you know what? That might have been a bit of a spark because I was uh, always bugging the, the, the tech workers and the behind the scenes and asking all the questions about what was going on and all that was fun. <laughs> what was cool about the movie is it's based on my hometown, Kogelkook, and one of the characters is based on my father. <laughs> my what? <laughs> yeah. That is really cool. It was cool. And so uh, Will Sasso played him. I'm not sure if you know him. He's a, he was, uh, man, back in the Vine day, he would do the lemon out of his mouth. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so I called him dad. And it was a uh, cool because it's essentially it was so Russ, the main character, known him since childhood, and uh, hanging out with him on set was weird. <laughs> boo boo, yeah, boo boo was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, the problem was though is I fell into addiction around that time period, and so in high school. I, yeah yeah it was like 14 and so although i didn't have a glass ceiling i was still uh, your classic self-sabotager and whatnot and mm -hmm. so then i took a year off high school not high school sorry after high school before going to university and working at diamond mine for a bit and figured the trades weren't for me so then i went to the university of new brunswick and that's where everything kind of hit the fan <laughs> and uh i fell pretty hard like deeper into the addiction moved back to yellow knife for work it was rough work was rough because uh uh there can be a lot of racism in yellow knife so i experienced oh, really? a lot of that yeah i didn't know that it's, um well it's kind of like wood minister in a sense that it borders a reserve or not a reserve i guess it's like indigenous community and you immediately get to yellowknife so a little different there's no 30 minute drive and it's also the hub of the north and so there's a lot the houseless population per capita is one of the highest in canada mm -hmm. and so uh it's a it's interesting because it's amazing but it's also awful at the same time is sense. there like a separatism that you can feel yeah there yeah yeah but at the same time there's still such a strong sense of community mm. so there's um for i say like i think it's every three people that are super accepting there's one who's just as powerfully opposed up there but things might have changed it's been a while since i've been there like four years since i've lived there and so I had a quite a few negative experiences there as an adult. And uh, there was a few catalytic events where my addiction just fell harder and harder. And uh, I still made it back to school. That's where everything kind of fell. And I had a moment, uh, one of my buddies calls him a God moment, <laughs> where I, had, I was fading between 
like psychosis essentially in the addiction and then reality and realizing if I didn't call my parents and ask for help, that was it. There was no more breathing and I, uh, so I should have given you a trigger warning. <laughs> no, no, go for it. No, I thank you for sharing. So I struggled with a suicide, suicidal ideation. And there's a history of medically induced schizophrenia, sorry, marijuana induced schizophrenia in my family. And there, yeah, that God moment where it was either I get help or I'm going. And so thankfully I got help, called my parents, they took me in, uh, no questions asked. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, they gave me the room to heal, safe space. And I uh, had difficulties reconnecting with my mom before all this because she had a lot of trauma she hadn't worked through. And, uh, she actually started her own healing journey that inspired, or I guess opened the way for me to go on my own. And so it was through that that. Uh, I'm, me and my mother really connected. My father were, we were mm. all these folks. And um, then that also, so since I'm mixed, it's been hard to affirm my identity, uh, especially there's a lot of lateral violence, especially in the Northern communities. And so it was always tough with, uh, <laughs> with that growing up, but through sobriety, I was able to reconnect and affirm that identity. And that's where I found the creative spark, I guess, is through all that I was writing and I have a lot easier of a time expressing myself written as opposed to mm -hmm. speaking the ADHD and whatnot makes it hard to uh, compose myself and articulate yeah. myself. Yeah, how bit. can I put a full sentence together for everyone to understand what I'm thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear that. That's when I have to speak. I'm like, I need to write it out a lot <laughs> and then go from there. Yes. Writing, it does help. It's such a, it's such a useful tool. It's for, for sorting thoughts and processing, processing trauma and grief and everything, you know, especially that you've been through. Yeah, it kind of, uh, it allows you to kind of put in the real world, I guess, thoughts that you don't feel comfortable maybe sharing with others. That was before, you know, I got comfortable with therapy and whatnot. It, uh, <laughs> so it helped a lot. And then, and, and then like stepping into to yourself and celebrating your culture, which you started doing online. Yeah. Oh, I guess I didn't get so. I went no, to tell the rest of your story and then we'll talk about that, which I think is very neat. Sure. So I went to rehab in a Mi'kmaq uh, rehabilitation center, Eskasoni, Cape Breton. Uh, I spent my 21st birthday there, which was cool because I was actually supposed to go to Vegas with my mom. <laughs> um, and then COVID hit. And so you know, I, I feel very lucky about COVID hitting in that time. 
I know a lot really struggled during like the lockdowns and whatnot, but in a way it like everything stopped and I was able to, I feel catch up. And so in those two years, I was able to really kind of peel back who it was that I was pretending to be and trying to be and figure out who it was that I was meant to be. And, uh, I, uh, didn't really do anything aside from like self-reflect and read and write a little poetry. And uh, I, uh, me and Rebecca met in that time in the middle of a Tinder, <laughs> you know, we were nice. a bubble couple. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, uh, she really gave me confidence in uh, creating, right? She was like a safe, super safe space and helped with the confidence and TikTok was just blowing up and my mom, she uh, got the Governor General's Award for accomplishment or achievement. Oh man, that was like eight years ago now, six years ago for her work in revitalizing traditional Inuit tattoos. And so she's like kind of like a, she's like a, a Northern queen of sorts. She's like <laughs> super looked up to in uh, the Northern communities. And so What's I, uh, your mom's name? Hubuck. Hubuck Johnston. And so she's even, she's got a little book too. Uh, I forget what it's called, Lines of My Ancestors. And um, actually, that's where my artist, like, that's where my advocacy started was uh, my mom made me a, like, a traditionally made seal skin parka. I posted it to Facebook and PETA was in the middle of a big conflict with Inuit. Because Inuit never club seals or like har mass harvests or anything, they were quintessential to the uh, ways of life up north. And PETA kind of went out of they're still on this smear campaign of the demonization of Inuit traditional practices, but without taking into consideration the food insecurity and housing insecurity. And so I got involved in that when I was 17 and it was just a mess, but uh, I didn't understand the weight of my words at that time, because when I jumped in, it was like the entire North kind of uplifted me. And so the global and like uh, CTV news and all that whatnot, were trying to get me to be on their, uh, their their shows and I was just like no like I'm 17 like but <laughs> I'm not in for this and so that kind of carried forward into where I just was talking about social media and uh I was trying to push my mom to do TikTok because I didn't really want to do it I wasn't ready to speak or share my story and whatnot and she cut a deal with me saying if you do it with me then I'll do it and so we did it together for, I think, two months before I gave in. I was like, all right, like, fine, like, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll make my own video. And it was kind of overnight. It just went, I shared a story, I think it was two years sober. And uh, two years, two months. And I shared about it. And then it just kind of blew up and turned into, like, an online journal. And then... Uh, 
me and my mom shared various aspects of our culture, like food, tools, mostly language too, uh, clothing. And then I kind of also had my own little segments of like sobriety. And then out of nowhere, it was like 138,000 followers and it was just kind of like, <laughs> holy smokes. <laughs> so I took a huge break to kind of like be like, okay, if I picture that many people like, I'm speaking to, like that's a lot of people in front of me. <laughs> so mm -hmm. although it's kind of like staggered and the way things work and whatnot. And so yeah, that happened in like a year, like less than a year it was up there. So I didn't know what to do with it and whatnot. And um yeah, so then we moved up to Calgary. I wanted to go back to school and finish what I started. Oh, we got engaged, sorry, before we moved up. And then, um, uh, I thought- Congratulations. Uh, I Thank you. I wanna get my PhD in philosophy. And so I'm in my third year back at my BA uh, at UOC, working on that book. And then the, the TV series, yeah. So Rebecca was working for a YMCA. And uh, she just got her BA in psychology and uh, she wasn't really, she was feeling kind of stagnant and I didn't know what I was going to do for the summer. And we saw that the story hybrid kept coming up on our Instagram. We actually applied a day late. We didn't realize it and uh, <laughs> somehow got it. And we were like, all right, let's uh, figure this out. And it's probably the, one of the coolest things I think we've done. Super stressful, but just the two of us. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where we're at now where did that take you in like location the, no your um your docu-series where did oh, you go so we went to okay so you we went to canmore and Banff to do the carter ryan galleries uh, did you, so the whole point, the whole series was, um, since I was the only indigenous person in the whole program, we challenged ourselves to uh, see if we could highlight as many indigenous voices as we could. And uh, so the, our goal was to demystify the indigenous experience in Alberta and kind of bridge that gap of understanding between like indigenous, non-indigenous and kind of be like, hey, like, you know, we can all, we can find a mutual understanding. And, uh, coexist yeah and so we spent a lot of time in calgary we did an entire market one day i think it was 18 interviews for an artist and um, <laughs> it was super cool so everyone kind of had a different story but they all had the same message so mm -hmm. it was neat and uh we ended up with the mohican trails which is in sundry they have a huge acreage for uh medicine trails and um, oh wow uh, like traditional tours and whatnot from like a crew perspective uh we were in so Lloyd minister so helping. how did you find randy was that instagram. social media just yeah. instagram so we're in this Great. treaty seven facebook page and uh we kind of just like scoped out through there because we were still so fresh and after we interviewed like a couple, like it took a while for people to be like, okay, like, I don't think they're a scam. Like, I think they're being real. 
and uh, <laughs> which is hard. I was talking in with a woman in Saskatoon who runs uh, like mural events and festivals, and she's like, a lot of artists don't get back to me. I'm like, you don't understand. So many there's so many scammers that come after artists, unfortunately, um, with saying they have an opportunity for you. So a lot of people probably think you're just I know like she offered another mural for me. So like I'm like a lot of artists would have been like, that's not real. So yeah. I'm like, but then you emailed and insta message. Then I knew it was like a real person. So yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. So that's cool. That's how you that's and that's so the heart of two D seven Facebook page is how you found Randy? Uh no, or I think no it's most people. Treaty seven. Oh man, I don't even know what it's called right now. So I actually no, we're hard. Sorry, I called it our committee name. Hard. I'm so used to saying hard of treaty six that I just oh, okay. put it in there. It all treaties deserve a heart in front of them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, cool. Calgary. Yeah, isn't community. Yeah. Randy's wonderful. She has like the most amazing, playful spirit of like anyone I've ever met, but like really honest, which I appreciate. Well, it's fun getting to interview the two of you and watching your back and forth. I tell you, uh, really appreciate each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, honestly, uh, meeting her and the, just working with her the past couple of years, like, so many weird things happen that like you have to sit in the fact that like something out like something greater was at work there like it was there were so many strange things even yesterday i had stopped at the mural because we're going to clean it because it's really dirty in that area with the person and randy just happened to be driving by at the moment we were there and then like so many signs like from both of our mothers and so it was just like a crazy, it was such a crazy thing. And I feel like, um, you know, there is something else that is, if you're listening, and that's what I love about learning about more about Indigenous culture is that um, you're listening so, so much more than, than everyone else, you know, like, and respecting um, and and um, holding on to knowledge in the most beautiful way and storytelling. Absolutely. I'd say most of the indigenous cultures here in Canada, well, I guess in the States too, well, no, worldwide really are more interested. Actually, Clint was talking about it. I watched a video about it, about it's not just interacting with the physical world, it's like the spiritual and whatnot like a physical world is just a manifestation of the spiritual and it's kind of respecting both mm -hmm. makes sense yeah and the yeah the more i learn and the more people i meet it's just it's i feel so honored you know and the kindness and i'm proud to be an indigenous ally and Randy said I could be an honorary member. I was like, thank you so much. That's very nice of you. <laughs> it's honorary. <laughs> yeah, honorary member. Um, but I mean, 
I, I feel like it's so important, especially when you talked about, um, and I could feel that growing up, but with your community growing up too, like you can feel it on both sides, um, the separatism. Like it's not just a one-sided thing. It's like, you know, you feel like, and, and add, as for me growing up, it's like, why is this happening? And I remember a conversation with my mother, like, why is this the way it is? And she's like, it just is. I'm like, well, what, how can we help? What, what do we do? And she's like, I'm not like, she didn't know, right? Like she didn't know how to answer us. She's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, and then obviously fast forward 25 years, and I'm like, I can help with creativity, but um, it's just, it, it is a helpless feeling on, on so many, so many levels. And I think when we let down our guard and we let down of what we're being told or taught. And um, I remember a conversation with Randy and she just was like, it's about like, don't be afraid. She's like, definitely don't step into this with fear. Like just it's about building bridges between between our communities and it's okay to be an ally like it's okay and it's like okay and i don't know why i need to be told that but it's just i i guess so many people told me i couldn't you know so i think it's 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 yeah a lot of conversations um and a lot of working together and reaching out and under and like trying to understand which i don't think and so i'm really proud of of you both because i i know rebecca's there <laughs> um for opening up those conversation and raising raising indigenous voices there's a there's a lot of anger i guess on both sides but for yeah. sure yeah no one which is valid but there's a lot of tone policing and a lot of, uh, I guess like emotional policing too, in a sense where no one wants to listen to an angry voice. And so the, uh, the, the approach has been trying to navigate that anger in a constructive sense mm. and um, get the messages relayed, but comfortably if that makes i don't know if that right makes so, right uh, but if you've been through trauma like it's hard not to come out of and i've i've experienced trauma it's hard to not come out of it takes years to let go of anger like it really does stepping out of it like it's i remember just being so mad all the time you know so i can't I can't um, even speak to generational trauma, like what that feels like. I think I had a switch flip uh, a few times. There was a few, like, I guess of those God moments or flips, switch flips where um, I was really angry at my mother for a long time or other abusers. and. I, uh, I don't even know how it happened. I think it was, we were giving a speech at the National Truth and Reconciliation event in Mississauga. And we were speaking on generational trauma and residential school. And, uh, 
so she gave her story and then I gave like the extended like the, the generational tech and um I uh I just clicked it was like okay like you you rang your anger shouldn't be directed towards your mother it should be directed at the system that um in turn hurt your mother so your mother was just like a there a was victim of circumstance play. she was a victim of circumstance yeah and so of systemic racism yeah and, um so i uh, kind of let my anger kind of disappeared towards people in that sense and uh just towards the system and so with the show a lot of these people I'm, that we interviewed i had met through like advocacy online and uh most of them kept telling me like you know if you weren't indigenous i would have charged you so much and uh, <laughs> whatnot like if you were just like my uh i didn't see you as like a nephew <laughs> and um because they've been through a lot of uh, themselves and there's a lot of tokenizing especially in calgary or i guess alberta of um you know using indigenous storytellers and not compensating them for their their emotional work and uh, our emotional labor sorry it's super common actually and uh so and uh especially to it can be hard to tiptoe those tough conversations and you know uh, with all the trauma like uh, it can be easy to trigger too and so our approach was like i was just the audience so i knew a lot of the answers to most of the questions i was asking but it wasn't about me telling them it was about everyone else right and getting different answers and perspectives to all the important questions that kind of led to the same goal, like that understanding and whatnot. And so you don't see a lot of uh, young indigenous men kind of taking up space. It's usually indigenous women. Well, I'd say like nine times out of 10. <laughs> and so they, uh, there are trailblazers. So I'm just kind of trying to come in, hold, help hold that space, I guess. I think I answered it. I think I went the right way. I'm not sure. I kind of <laughs> okay. Thank you. I imagine that takes a lot of patience and energy. Yeah, it's a definitely been a process. I uh, I guess I patience has definitely been something I've I've learned to practice. It's not perfect, but um, I'm sure it will get better with age. Like, how old are you? 24. Yeah, you're so little still. Yeah. I mean, I'm not super old or anything, but I've got a few years on you. And like, you're very, I mean, it sounds like you've experienced a lot and you've come out of a lot. And I feel like every season, every season of life is meant to strengthen you and prepare you for your next step. And so you came out of a lot of things, um, you know, stronger and and um but in in a in a beautiful sense of like uh like self-worth and i'm important and my voice is important and not only that but like i want to help others through what i've learned um and who i am which i find very inspiring 
So thank, thank you. you. Yes. Um, gonna... Sorry, go ahead. No, I, it was it was not that interesting. It's been, no, it's been interesting. <laughs> so I okay I so what is the reaction? I'm sure you get a lot of different reactions because it is very um, with the raw meat on your social. Like, is that a very popular? Because it's, it's the so most popular. Yeah, it's yeah. So, I noticed that. It's so. Um, so yeah, talk about that a little bit. Well, there's this idea that, you know, colonization happened so long ago, but for the Inuit, it was relatively, uh, recent in the sense that, so, uh, in Canada, the homeland of the Inuit is referred to as Inuit Nunagat, so Inuit meaning people and Nunagat meaning homeland, so the people's homeland. And the first land claim agreement for the Inuit was signed in, I want to say 1999, yeah, April 1st, 1999, excuse me, for Nunavut. And the last one was 2005, Nunatsia in Labrador. And so our area in Canada is the Inuvaluit, which is the Northwest Territories, Nunavut, Nunavik, which is Quebec, and then Labrador. But traditionally, you would find us in Alaska, in Greenland as well, and then I believe Russia. Yeah, because Diomede Island is in Russia. And so it's very vast and um, super uh, isolated and northern. Well, well, I guess it's the northernmost part of the world, essentially. And uh, we uh, were signed into the Indian Act briefly and then taken out, but the government didn't know what to do with us. They wanted to ignore us until around the 1940s. And so then they came up and uh, e-tags or numbers were given instead of names because the names were too confusing. Um, my grandpa has one, and then so that program ran until 1978, and then through that, the government and the RCMP came up and started relocating communities to um, more barren lands and disrupted the way of life and slaughtered the dogs and moved them away from the caribou. So this happened through the mid seventies, early, sorry, from the fifties to the seventies. And uh, the last residential school closed up there in 1997, right in Inlet, Hall, which actually All is the way the to 97. One. Oh my gosh. I just found out there was one in 98 in Saskatchewan, Red, Red Brett Hall. There's weird, um, it is legislation that like uh, allows them to kind of mark the years differently. That makes sense. And so I'm not too well read on the, the 98 one, but the one in 97, yeah. So yeah, my mom went and um, through the displacement and the harsh climates, Inuit traditionally with this semi-nomadic life, but without the dogs and the, the new locations, it, it's, next to impossible to build homes and get food up there. And so a box of cereal now can go for like 20 bucks in the community. And so 
Um, it's a uh, hunting is still a huge part of life in the sense that it's still for survival of these communities. Right. And so the, the food insecurity there is a massive problem. And yeah, so caribou will feed five or six families most times, four, four or five families. And uh, mm. there's obviously no fires up there. Well, I mean, they had kulaks, which were layups, but you can really have a fire without trees because we're all above the tree line, except with beanie bow with uh, the tree line. And um, so raw meat, right? Like it's just frozen, but it's not farmed. Just that's all you have, I guess, right? Yeah, there's some berries, but there's a lot of, uh, so the whale that we would eat is super rich in vitamin E and a few others and the seal, like liver, there's lots of livers. And uh, so it's, it's necessity. Yeah. Yeah, necessity of life. And so there's a lot of um, ignorance. There's a lot of obviously like curiosity. Yeah. And um, misunderstanding in the sense that a lot of people think we're just going to the butcher shop and, you know, getting cow and eating a, eating a cow raw, but I don't, I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, <laughs> it's not, we don't eat farm feed. Or I was in Paris. Food. Uh, for like an art residency and our uh, my mom met me with her friend and uh, we were at Musée d'Orsay and he ordered a big thing of ground raw beef and raw egg and I was like you're you're gonna regret it I feel like that's a bad choice and he's yeah. like because you, you're like no, I'm experiencing French culture and he had had it lots before, but he definitely, yeah, I, I would recommend a big thing, a raw anything either, like, especially ground up. Yeah. yeah, he was definitely so sick. And, but I feel like, you know, over time, like, obviously, if that's what you're eating, that's what you eat, like, and your system can take it. But yeah, I, I definitely also would not recommend um, anything, <laughs> anything raw like that, unless you're having, of course, like fresh sashimi or whatever in a good spot. Exactly. If you have it here in Alberta, and I'm like, mm -mm. no. It's tricky. Pass. What's funny is that um, there was that there was that super trendy that like primitive lifestyle like there was a big guy his name was Liver King <laughs> and the their whole shtick was like a oh man what did he say he's like living like a barbarian <laughs> was his whole thing of like just eating like just the strangest raw meat he could well, I guess it wouldn't be strange to some people but. It was obviously like for clicks and for like attention. And uh, so a lot of those, yeah. those primitive lifestyle people ended up kind of swarming my comments and uh, my messages being like, hey, like I'm trying to adopt this primitive lifestyle. Like, uh, what do you, what's your, what's your diet? Like, what's your, uh, like, what's your oh opinion on like, raw chicken? And I'm like, man, I would not touch raw chicken. Chicken, it's pretty absurd. Some of the messages <laughs> I get right in the, in the, the sense for food, but um, like, 
the I guess you just have to take it with like, you know, a, a, like a, a grain of salt, like just nothing. You're just like, oh, okay, or just not answer at all. Oh, I, uh, I don't, I don't, don't uh, entertain it usually. It's a, uh, it, the question of entertaining someone who's like equates, you know, like the a, a well and alive thriving lifestyle to primitive is kind of. It's, that's where the patience gets tested a little bit. <laughs> For sure. So. Yeah, I understand that. For sure. Especially when it's like such a, it's such a huge part of necessity and just like a way of life. And so good for you for having the patience and sharing it even though like and not stopping because that's what you get sometimes when, you know, you're vulnerable and you share parts of yourself. My whole thing is like, um, anyway, you know, they, uh, we get, you kind of get left out of the conversation sometimes in the sense that, uh, like how many people know what an inokshuk is, but don't know what the inuit or, uh, know what an igloo is, or don't know the inuit, or know, like sunglasses too, or inuit and mukbucks and, there's a few, there's quite a few things, right? And so I figure, you know, I've, uh, I got this platform. I might as well try use it to kind of how I view it in the right way. I guess if I were to look at it objectively, I'd hope I'd be, um, angling myself in the appropriate manner. <laughs> mm -hmm. Actually, it was from, there was a show, it's called What We Do in the Shadows. It's like a documentary of vampires and <laughs> there's a, there's an energy vampire actually in it. And it's really funny. And he yeah, obviously feeds off people making them mad. And um, there's an episode where he figures out how to troll people online and that he can feed off people that he's trolling. And so oh, no. <laughs> watching that. I used to have a hard time, I used to get caught up in the comments all the time. And um, it was watching that show that kind of, <laughs> it put into perspective. So whenever I get a negative comment, his name's Colin Robinson. And now it's a Colin Robinson. And <laughs> so <laughs> help me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I can't wait. You said you wanted to put, you'd been writing and, um, wanting to do a book yeah so i'm pretty close to done i actually i emailed deborah there we were setting up a date to uh do a little zoom uh she hasn't got back to me about that part yet but we'll see um so it's essentially uh a reflection of my journey but a deep dive uh, it's going to be, I think it's only going to be about 30, 40 pages, I think. And, uh, it's kind of in, I'd say it's more similar to like those, uh, ancient texts of like, uh, Epictetus or Marcus Aurelius, the Tao Te Ching, just, or Confucius, the Analects. So it's just like a, a collection of sayings after the reflection that help keep me grounded through, so I call it like my gentle reminders and 
I uh, reflect on those as well about how oh, they uh, helped keep me grounded through sobriety and figuring out who I was. And it's a simple, it's a, I uh, couldn't really connect with AA. I really respect it and all those who you know, use it, but I uh, found it kind of took away my own accomplishments from sobriety in a sense. And so the book itself is kind of um, centered around the little wins and appreciating like the little things and uh, yeah, in a sense, just 20, 30 pages, super simple. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's going well, let's see. Great, yeah, I'll get my hands on it once it comes out and then we can talk again. Sure. Yeah. Be great. And I think those that's good. It's like, then it's a tool for other people, right? Something like I, I love picking up things daily that I can just like, just like center myself first thing in the morning or last thing at night. Right. Like, it's like a gentle reminder, like you said, it's like that we're here and we're all in this together, experiencing these moments and um, processing them and trying to communicate them in, in our humanness. So, but I appreciate your time so much and it was lovely to see you again and we'll chat soon. Um, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, sure. Uh, at Raiden Kadlun, B-R-A-D-E-N-K-A-D-L-E-N on Instagram. And just Kadlun on TikTok and YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm sure this is not the last time we'll speak. So we'll, uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Okay. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And of course, um, we are acknowledging um, that we are on Treaty 6 territory and we are acknowledging uh, truth and reconciliation um, all across our nation. And um, I'm so honored uh, to be to be able to, first of all, be a part of our Heart, heart of Treaty 6 Truth and Reconciliation Committee working um, toward truth and reconciliation um, in our community. Uh, and actually, if you're listening and you are local to Westminster, um, it is an open, safe circle, and it's full of passionate, wonderful individuals. And if you'd like to become part of it and um, practice um, truth and reconciliation, and, and we talk a lot, lot about um, more than that and how we can positively impact our community and our gala is coming up which is really exciting um, and I will be doing some artwork there and helping raise money for Heart of Treaty 6 so uh, there there are so many ways that you can make a difference and through your creativity uh, and I always I always thought like how how could like I first of all like it it, it started with self-worth and that was a really long journey for me uh, and it started with, oddly enough, money mindset books. Uh, they talk about um, they talk about self worth a lot, and it's it's so important in order for you to thrive in any sort of way. Or uh, so that is like 
number one it's like you can't you can't expand if if you don't believe you're worth it in the first place um, so it took a lot of years um, shaking off kind of uh, old old habits old ways of being and old mindset and um, and to know and I remember I created a mantra uh, Jen Sincero I think it was her badass habits book and I like had this weird which I talk about in my own book I tell this story of creating my mantra I think <laughs> if not I gave a motivational speech about it and wrote about it and that I was doing so much I can't remember what is what but anyway I was like I, I bought these sheets from winners and it was like blizzarding and the sheets ended up being like terrible so I, I'm like Oh, I should take these back to winners, but it's blizzarding out and should I I'm like, but I really need new sheets And so I ended up leaving at 8 at night, which I never do anyway because I'm too tired and Helping put kids to bed, but I was like, I'm just gonna go return these sheets. Bye And I ended up I was listening to Jen's book her audiobook and she was talking about creating your mantra and I just I just sat there and I was like Okay create a mantra I, whatever <laughs> okay cool Jen and I went into winners and this or no home sense that's right same thing really decor store um, home sense and I went in to get to the new sheets and it was mask times and plus snowstorm so I was like fully covered in a mask and a toque and a scarf and the whole deal no one unrecognizable really and this woman um, who I didn't know, she was from my high school, and it was hard to tell because people change and she was wearing a mask. And she was like push booming past me and she stopped and looked at me and she's like, Brandy, hey. I was like, hey. <laughs> and she's like, I've got to tell you, every time I drive past your one mural, it brings me so much joy. Thank you for doing that in our community. And I was like, oh, Okay, thank you. Thank you for saying that. That's so very sweet and kind of you. And I got in my car and I was like, my creativity is worthy and powerful. And I just kept saying that over and over and over again when I would doubt myself or I would wake up and, and feel like I wasn't worth it or why was I doing all of this stuff? Like why was I creating art and it wouldn't sell and it would show in a gallery and it would come home and I would ship it, now I'm gonna start crying. And I would ship it places and it would get sent back for more than the art was even worth and it was just like no after no after no, discouraging thing after discouraging thing and I would focus on that. And um, until I realized that sometimes some stuff doesn't work and sometimes stuff does work and we don't know why and but each each time you do there's a lesson in it you become stronger you become more resilient your skin becomes thicker you you become smarter from that experience you have you walk away stronger and like a better bigger person um and then things start like gravitating toward you and then you're strong enough to take on those bigger things um, because the good and the bad kind of just live together and that's the way it is. 
there will never every every day is a mixed a mixed bag I love this analogy because pe some people like raisins but I do not neither does my husband anyways any every day is a really big mixed bag of nuts and sometimes you'll get those dried up raisins that you're like blah just pick them out and move on <laughs> and and that's that's it like and then the rest are crunchy and uh, amazing cashews or chocolate right uh, I don't even know if that's a good analogy of life <laughs> I'm so tired but the big moments the cool stuff the tiny moments in each and every day are what is, is leading you to an extraordinary life there I was wondering why I wasn't interrupted yet because I'm at home <laughs> all right Stay cool, my friends, and thank you to our community uh, partners, uh, BioClean Disaster Services, um, Red Bicycle Communications, Oasis and Hot Yoga Studio, Nouveau Laser and Aesthetic Center. Um, Oasis, we have our upcoming workshop, yoga and art. Trusting your intuition. So there'll be snacks, there'll be yoga, there'll be good tea, there'll be, um, we're making really sweet circle panels. Nothing's within arm's reach, but I'll put it in the notes. Check that out if you're local. We can't wait to make art with you. If you're looking for some time for yourself to relax, release, and unwind, Oasis has the perfect space for you. They offer yoga and spin classes of all levels. Whether you are a beginner or advanced student, Oasis thrives on accommodating all aspects of the practice. Let their serene environment and gracious staff help you in your journey of peace, healing, and strength. Sign up online at www.oasishotyogastudio.com or by downloading the Oasis Hot Yoga Studio app. Feel like yourself. You deserve it.